The Bible says my king is a king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I, I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous and his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Uh, I wish I could describe him to you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your hands. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! That's Marky! That's Marky! He is more than you could ever need. He's more than the eye could see. I don't deserve his love, but he's always been there for me. You see, Jesus met me when I was at my lowest. 
And if you don't know Jesus, know this. He is the greatest example of generosity this world of greed has ever seen. And when Jesus hit the scene, he changed the scenery and met diversity with serenity. If you're looking for peace, he offers plenty. Jesus was and Jesus will forever be king. And when the angels sing, they sing of the grace that was displayed for sinners like me. I can't explain him and I can't describe him. And if I could, he wouldn't be Jesus because you can't explain eternity and you can't comprehend the galaxies. But it was the loving hands of Jesus who spun them into existence and created man knowing he would go to the cross to pay our sentence. There was a certificate of judgment with a period after the sentence and we were sentenced to death long before he said it is finished. He is a father to the orphan, a shelter for the homeless, a hiding place for the abused and an anchor for our storms. He stormed the gates of hell and came out on top and the power of his gospel cannot be stopped. Even when the world tries, they try a lot. He traded places with Barabbas and became the catalyst of missions across the world covering every portion of the atlas. If you're in need of rest, I know of a mattress. If you don't know Jesus, your future is tragic, but he gladly embraced tragedy so we could live in his presence of majesty. His presence is presence, and it's his presence that presents preciousness to a world of peasants. He is far from pretentious, but still loves those who are. He is the light of the world and hung the stars. He brings the dead to life and delivers life to the dead. He took a crown of thorns on his head so we could put crowns at his feet, and I I can't wait until I get to kiss his feet that were nailed to a cross for me and for you and for every person around the world. He loves the world and I love his word because the word became flesh and in his flesh he demonstrated the word to the world. He is an example to every boy and every girl. He is a lover of black people. He is a lover of white people. He is a lover of the unchurched and the assembly under the steeple. He doesn't see the believers failures but still takes time to celebrate their faithfulness. It's the power of the spirit that enables us and gives us boldness when the world labels us and if you want to label me please call me a Jesus freak if that freaks you out good because it's better to be good with God than to fight being misunderstood by a world that could never understand so let it be understood that I don't worship man we worship Jesus and although he doesn't need us he still sees us and pleads with us to run to the cross where he bled for us his heart bleeds for us his heart grieves for us but still graciously grants us a pardon for our treason in a season where the world tries to explain away the work of the spirit with human reasoning there is a reason they can't because the spirit is like the wind and the wind cannot be seen but loved is the one who believes without seeing the unseen I'm telling you today that Jesus is something he's something more He's something great, and if you want to know him, you don't have to wait. He stands at the narrow path with a key to the gate, and you only have to reach out and embrace his grace. I don't care who's president. I have a king who is always present. I don't care who holds musical celebrity. The voice of the Lord will always be the sweetest melody. I don't care who owns the riches of the globe. My Jesus holds more wealth than one ruby on his robe. I don't care who is the strongest or the fastest. Nothing matches the creator of the universe and his immortal, infinite status. I don't care about religious leaders who died and stayed dead. I'll only worship the one who conquered death and wears a crown on his head. His name is Jesus, and I'm telling you, he's something. He was faithful yesterday, and he is faithful today. I can feel his presence whenever I pray. And when the time comes for me to fade away, I'll remember the day I heard him say, My name is Jesus. That was good. I like that. But I wanted to take a breath for him. Did anybody else find yourself doing that? Like, oh. um, hey, uh, as we get into the word today and as we just get into just this service and this idea, um, I want to take just a few seconds um, to share um, me so that way you don't get offended. Is that okay? 
I just figured I have to straight up be honest. I'm a little weird. Um, I don't like preaching with shoes on. Okay, so if toes uh, scare you, sit in the back, you can't see them. Okay? Um, another thing is, I sweat a lot, so if you see me profusely sweating, that just means that the spirit's moving. Um, so just get into that, okay? Uh, and the last thing is, is sometimes I don't know what flies out of my mouth, so I might apologize during the sermon. Okay? Um, that is a sincere apology, um, I think. All right. Is everybody okay? Are we good with that? Um, I know we have new people and some guests, and so I just kind of want to be okay with that. The last thing is, um, we like to be kind of interactive type of an idea, so if, if there is something funny, you can laugh. Um, if it's really corny, you can do the, oh, uh, like it's, it's all good, okay? Like I'm, I'm okay with everything, okay? Sound good? If you need to shout amen, that is awesome. If you want to debate with me, that is time for that after the service, and I really don't mind debating either. It's fun. Um, does that all make sense? Are we good? Yeah. Then I want to pray and I want to get into Jesus. Is that okay? Yeah. So Father, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for today. And I thank you, Father God, um, for what you're about to do. So Holy Spirit, come and move in this place. Open hearts. Um, like Connie shared earlier, God, reveal things that need to be revealed if that's what you need to do today. But God, don't let this just be a, a, a traditional thing where we came to church on Easter. But God, let this be a day, Father God, that we can remember. And God, whether it is 842 or 905 or whatever it is, Father God, let us remember this day. That was the day that I changed my heart and my mind about who you are. And so, God, we praise you for walking out of the grave this morning. And all that agreed said? Amen. Um, so, uh, uh, who how to put this? Uh, Easter is like the Super Bowl of, uh, of, like, church, okay? Like... If you want to put it in other terms, like that's kind of the thing. Like it's the it's the World Series, it's the Super Bowl. This is like the final, like the final four, the championship. Like this is it for like churches. And I don't know if you guys knew that, but that's kind of what it is. So churches kind of put their best foot forward on this day. Um, they do a lot of things. The other day that they do this is Christmas. Okay, they do it on Christmas Eve as well because they usually do Christmas Eve services and there's live animals and it's crazy. And then like you go to church and they kind of like, it's kind of sad because you go to church the next weekend expecting there to be live animals. <laughs> and it's just the pastor up there and you're like, oh, I got gypped. Um, the, the problem is, is um, the more and more that um, our church is, like I've been part of church for a while now, and the more and more like holiday services come up, the more and more um, I despise them. I'll be real. If you just come to church on Christmas and Easter, you know about a baby and you know about a guy that died. Does that make sense? Like, that's it. But there's so much more in the Bible. There's so much more of, of who God is. But the problem is, 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 is we cater maybe to that concept where, where um, how to put it, the concept being, well, there's people that are not going to believe and they're going to show up. But they're showing up with their believing friends. So their believing friends have, or family members have to sit through the thing that they already know. Does that make sense? Which makes the sermon kind of boring because you're like, I know what's going to happen next. He's coming out of the grave. <laughs> like, you know, like, you guys, you get it, okay? Um, uh, oh, I guess another disclaimer is I just, I'm honest. Is that okay? Um, and the reality is, is I'm sitting back, and I was, I've been praying for a while about this service. And I've been asking God. I said, God, I just don't want to do a normal service. 
I, I, same thing for Good Friday. I was like, I just don't want to be normal. And he's like, you're not. Um, and I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I really, like, I just want this to be impactful. Um, and then God gave me this, um, this word, but it's actually not a word. It's, it's a quote. And I want to share it with you. He gave me this quote. And the quote is, everybody is a genius. But if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. Albert Einstein. Just so you know, Albert Einstein never said that. In 2007, he got the credit for some reason, and it stayed that way. But I'll be honest with you, he's not the one that said it. Matter of fact, nobody knows who actually said it, in case you guys are wondering. If you don't believe me, you can Google it and go on quotefinder.com. They just don't know who it is. But this phrase is here. And I want just take a moment. Everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by the ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. Everybody is forgiven. But if you judge yourself by your ability not to sin, you will live your whole life condemned. Did, did you catch that? God gave me this, this, this quote and he said, this is the problem with church nowadays. This is the problem with people. We're judging ourselves by something that we should never judge ourselves by. Why? Because this is the day that we recognize that our sins are no more. Listen, either Jesus came and he died for everyone or he didn't or he died for some. There's your two theological debates that you have to have. How did Jesus die? From what the scripture says, from what Jesus himself says. He says, I died for who? The whole world. Everybody's forgiven. Everybody's forgiven. The problem is, is somewhere in church history, we started to think that forgiveness equals access to heaven or entrance to heaven. Does that make sense? Somewhere we believe that, okay, I am forgiven, so therefore um, I believe in Jesus, so I am good. Um, I get my ticket to heaven, and I can go live the lifestyle I want to go live. And that's called cheap grace. There's a big theological term for it, but you will never remember it, so it doesn't matter, okay? But it's basically cheap grace. And all we do, and here's the problem, the problem is, is we never live out our destiny because of that. Because we think that we're horrible people. And then all of a sudden, we start to say things like, well, I'm a sinner. So, you know, I'm saved by grace, but I'm a sinner. Well, if you call yourself a sinner enough times, you're never going to get out of your sin. Did that make sense? And so today, one of the things that I want to just share with you, um, I'm not going to pull up a bunch of Bible verses. I'm going to say a bunch of Bible verses, but they're not going to be on the screen. I just want to share with you the reality of who Jesus is and what this day means. Is that okay? Are you good? Yeah. See, two people said yes. And that scares me. Okay, yeah, thank you. I love it. Children get it. All right. Here's how it works. See, Jesus came. They walked on this planet. You guys understand Christmas. I'll just fast forward through Christmas. Is that okay? Baby, yay. Mary, yay. Okay, everybody's good? Christmas, lots of gifts. All right. Then, he starts doing ministry. His ministry doesn't really start until he gets baptized. 
That should mean that you should get baptized next Sunday at 1030. I'm just kidding. I'm just telling you. Okay? It's ministry. Yeah, that's a good plug right there. Okay, look. But he gets baptized, but he doesn't get baptized by anybody. He gets baptized by this really weird guy. His name is John the Baptist. Now, I have to share who John the Baptist is. John the Baptist is actually his cousin. See, when Mary was pregnant, she went up to visit Elizabeth. And, and what happened was is John the Baptist, inside of Elizabeth's uh, womb, he starts jumping around because he could recognize the king of kings was in Mary at the time. Did you guys catch that? So when I went, like, fast forward 30 years later, John the Baptist is wandering the desert and he's preaching forgiveness. He's preaching repentance. I need you to understand this. Repentance and forgiveness are two different type of things. Forgiveness means you're forgiven. Everybody good with that? Right? Repentance means I'm going to change my mind, the way that I think and the way that I act. Therefore, I never do that thing again. Did that make sense? See, there's a time in your life where saying I'm sorry will no longer work if it's the same exact thing. Does that make sense? There's that one point, they just, you just can't say I'm sorry because people are just like, you're just going to do it to me again. That's where repentance comes into play. And John the Baptist was sitting there saying, you need to repent from your sins. All the bad things that you do, look, at one point in the year, we'll get him covered over by a goat. That's the Jewish tradition. But right now, I want to wash you. I want to baptize you and say, this is your new start. You go under the water. It's the old you. You come out and you're cleansed. And, and well, you're, you come out and it's the new you. The new way of thinking. Everybody's still with me? Yeah. Jesus comes down. And he looks at him and says, this is the man whose shoes I am unfit to tie. He is the Lord. He's the one that is to come. And Jesus walks down and he says, I need you to baptize me. Bring me into the family. I want to be part of all the, all the people that are repenting. I want to be part of this is my family. I want to unite myself with them. Are you guys with me on this one? See, people think if you get baptized, it's a forgiveness of sins. Jesus didn't have any sins, so he didn't need to be baptized. Does that make sense? But it is a uniting of people. Hence what we're going to do next Sunday. We're going to unite people with the bigger family, the God family at large. Does that make sense? And so that's what he is. He says, I want to be with my people. So he gets baptized by John the Baptist, a glorious moment. Heaven's opened up. God's like, this is my son who I'm well pleased. I don't know what God sounds like. That was my best, okay? Um, a dove comes down and lays on, like just sits on him, and it's the Holy Spirit, and it's this crazy moment. And then Jesus goes and he starts doing ministry. He starts healing the sick. Starts, blind men start seeing. The lepers are cleansed. Lame people get up and walk. He's doing things. But that, you guys, I want you to get this. The miracles are actually not the best part of Jesus. See, I, I think everybody, like, we get stuck on the miracle part because we're like, oh, that'd be cool to see. But I'll be honest with you. If you saw a miracle today, you wouldn't believe. You'd actually have more questions. I promise you. Because I've seen, like, physical miracles Seeing people's legs grow out. It's creepy and gross. It's not like, oh my gosh, that was awesome. It's like, oh, ugh. okay? It's like, that was weird, okay? And the reality is, is it makes you have more questions. The best part about Jesus was the way that he spoke. It was his teachings. Because his teachings got you to see life in a different perspective. It got you to repent in the way that you saw things, the way you thought about things, and the way that you did things. Did that make sense? Everybody, no, guys, no, nobody said anything on that one. Okay? 
This is what he did. His teaching was profound. One day, John the Baptist. Ooh. Um, nobody liked John the Baptist, especially if you were a king, because basically what would happen is they would tell you, um, hey, uh, like, because the kings would all kind of do bad things with girls. And anyways... He literally walked up to a king, like face to face with the king. He's like, if you don't repent, you're not going to make it to heaven. And the king didn't like that very well. And then the person that he was, yeah, she didn't like that very much either. And so she threw him in jail and um, he was waiting to get beheaded. That's a good Easter sermon right here. <laughs> right? Waiting to be beheaded. And as he's waiting to be beheaded, Jesus is like, like frolicking out in like, you know, the wilderness and saying hi to people, healing people, and all this kind of stuff. And his cousin, his family, right, is in prison about to die. And so he's sitting there like John the Baptist is sitting there going, whoa, 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 time out. What is going on? So he sends out his disciples uh, in, uh, to go find Jesus. And when they find Jesus, they ask the same question. They ask one question. Are you the one that is to come or should we be expecting another? Now, that's a simple line, but if you read the backstory, this is what he's saying. Jesus, if you are the one that is to come and you're supposed to save people, how come I'm sitting in prison about to die? Where's my salvation? Where am I going to get saved? And Jesus looks back at, his, at John the Baptist's disciples and he says, Go tell John this. The lame walk, the blind can see. Go tell him. And the good news is being preached. Go let him know that the captives are being set free. Go let him know these things. And then he turns to the crowd that he was with that heard all this going on. And he says, there's no one greater born of man than John the Baptist. Now, I wish we can record the disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, going back to John the Baptist. Can you imagine that conversation through the bars? Right? Hey, oh, John, um... He basically said he does a lot of miracles and good luck. <laughs> right? Like that's basically what he says. And, 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 and no joke, the next, the next thing that happens is John the Baptist's head is actually delivered to the king on a platter. The head, his head is delivered on a platter. That's awesome. Yay. But Jesus then goes, turns to the crowd after he tells them there's no one greater born. And he said this, why did you go out into the desert? Why did you go out? He's talking to the people now. He says, he says, why did you go out into the desert? And he's obviously referring to John the Baptist. He says, why are you going out to the desert? Did you go out there to, to, to see the, the reeds just sway in the wind? No. Why did you go out to the desert? What were you looking for? Did you expect to see a man dressed in fine linen? No. You went out to the desert to hear something. Something that could change your life. Are you guys with me on this one? Fast forward. Jesus does all these miracles, and then all of a sudden, we hit Good Friday. He has these, this, this moment um, with his disciples where he breaks bread, and he says, this is my body that will be broken for you. He then takes a, a cup of wine, and he lifts it up, and he says, this will be my blood poured out for you. And his disciples had no idea what, they were or what he was talking about. But they're like, we'll die with you. And he's like, yeah, you won't. Matter of fact, you will actually deny me. And sure enough, that night what happened was is they grabbed Jesus. They grabbed Jesus. And as they grabbed Jesus, all of his disciples scattered. And there wasn't anybody with him. He was there by himself on trial 
being lied about, being mocked, that he was beaten a few times, and then he was given over to the Romans because the, the Pharisees didn't have the power to actually execute him. So they gave him over to, uh, to, to, the, uh, to the Romans. And the, and the Romans, the Pilate, he, he, Pilate just, you ever get the short end of a stick? This is Pilate. Pontius Pilate was, I mean, I'm sure he probably wasn't the, 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 the nicest dude on the planet. But when he got handed over Jesus, he's like, I don't want anything to do with this guy. But if you guys are going to stop rebelling, if I kill him, then I'll give him back to you. And then his wife comes in and she's like, I had a dream. Don't touch the guy, right? I don't know what his wife sounds like. That was, once again, that's my impression, okay? Um, so basically said, I, don't, don't touch him. God gave me a dream. He is the son of man. Don't touch him. And then Pilate's like this. Well, now what am I supposed to do? So he literally washes his hands of the situation. That's physically, he brings a bowl and he washes his hands. He says, if you want to crucify him, you do it. And so they took him and they, they go out and they crucify him. Nails through the wrists. I don't have to go through the whole gory thing. But his blood was spilled out. And he was taken down off the cross. And he was laid in a tomb. And it is finished. It's over. Now here's the thing that you need to know about this. His blood, right, covers all sins. We, we, we talked about that, right? His blood covers all sins. Here's the problem. The problem is this. If we leave Jesus dead, a goat could have done the exact same thing because a goat is what the Jewish people used to do to atone for all of their sins or be forgiven of their sins every year. Did you guys catch that? Jesus ain't no goat, okay? He was something more special than that. Are we making this clear? So because here's what I want you to get. The blood is absolutely special because it covers over. It cleanses. But without this day, without the resurrection, without him beating the power of death, then we are left powerless. Did that, are, you, are you following that, that logic? We're left powerless. Now here's the thing. You're like, why do I need power? Let me explain this to you. You can't fight addictions on your own. You can't have relationships on your own. You need to have something in you. And that one thing, what is that power? It's hope. It's love. It's grace. It's mercy. The things that we struggle and fight for in this world today. But actually, I don't want to talk about that. I just needed to get you to that spot. Is that okay? Everybody's there? Sweet. Because technically this is what happened on this day. There's this woman named Mary that's been following Jesus for, for his ministry. And it's early morning on the third day. Now the, the tomb where Jesus is at is guarded by Roman soldiers. And it's got like a two-ton rock in front of it. And everybody's like, how did you move a two-ton rock? Well, they moved it in front so you can find things to move it away. Does that make sense? Uh, there's so many people get hung up on that and they're like, no, it was like angels. It's like, well, a couple guys could have done it too, right? So here's how it works. Is she's going to anoint Jesus' body because, because everything had to happen so fast on Friday for, the, for Passover, she had to go back. And when she went back, something was amiss because there were no Roman guards. They were gone. The stone was rolled away and she starts to freak out. And she runs in, looks into the tomb, looks into the tomb, and Jesus is not there. 
Now, some of you guys, you might be sitting here today, and you're like, duh, crazy, he resurrected. I know the story, right? You got to put yourself in her shoes. She did not know. Nobody's thinking resurrection. Everybody's thinking death. Everybody with me? That's all we're thinking is death, death, death. And so all of a sudden, here's where it happens. She goes in. She looks into the tomb, and he's gone. And she starts to weep. And all of a sudden, two guys appeared in the tomb. Two guys. They actually are angels. And this is the Craig synopsis of the story. Is that okay? Um, it gives it a little more flavor, okay? Bring it, bring it up to speed a little bit, okay? The two angels are sitting there. And where Jesus' body used to be, they're standing there at the head and at the feet. And they're looking. And all of a sudden, they look over at her because she's crying probably uncontrollably. And they're like, yo! And they literally say, woman! But that's a different story. Um, woman! Why are you crying? What's wrong? They took, they took, uh, they took my, uh, my Lord. They took him away. Do you know where he's at? And I just, I just imagine the, the angels sitting there just shaking their head like, does nobody listen to Christ? <laughs> I mean, honestly, he told you so many times that this was going to happen. Mary, why did you really come here? What were you expecting to find? What were you expecting to see? Mary, what did you hope would happen? And then she starts bawling and she turns around and there's another guy there and she like kind of gets startled and she's like, oh, it's the gardener, but it's not the gardener. It's Jesus. And she's, you know, so she's crying. They tell her this, and she's just kind of like, I don't know why, what I expected to find. And then she turned, and there's this other guy, and she, she's, like, she's like, do you know where they took him? Do you know where they took his body? And, and he's like, yo, Mary. Mary. Woo! And she's like, oh, my gosh! Jesus! And she doesn't call him Jesus. I love it. She calls him teacher. Why? What was more powerful than the miracles? His teaching his words she goes teacher and he's like what did you expect to find and that's actually the only words I want to leave you with today in your life what do you expect to find now some of you guys I'll, I'll, I'll help think for you um, I I hope I don't overstep my boundaries, but I want to help think for you. When I say, what do you expect to find? Our whole life, we're searching for something. See, some of you guys came to church here this morning. Maybe it was just out of um, being respectful for your family members. And some of you um, are just here because you're like, I just wanted to go to church. It's Easter. It's a tradition of mine. This is what I do. And the, the thing that I have to ask you is, why did you come here today? What did you hope to find when you came here? Did you expect laser light show and like awesome rock band and some like pastor with skinny jeans on being like, what up? And the whole service is very entertaining, but your life never gets changed? Amen. And there's churches that do that. I'm not batting them down because they do change lives. I'm just example everybody. <laughs> The reality is, 
why did you come here? What did you expect to find? See, some of you, what did you expect to get out of coming to church just being polite to your family member or your friend? Did you think you were going to be in good graces with them because you came to church and you're like, I did you a solid, now later you're going to do me a solid, right? Is that what you expected? Because see, every motive, everything that we do, every time we make a decision, there's some type of motive behind it. And that is actually what I'm asking. What are your motives? Why do you do what you do? Listen, what do you expect when you go to your job? Do you expect just to go and get money and that's it? Because man, that's got to be lonely and hard. Or is there something there that gives you life? And see, here's the thing. I'm not asking you to quit your job, please. <laughs> Preface. But this is why there's so many people that make millions of dollars but are depressed. Did you know, I think it was 2015, it said that uh, uh, Bill Gates uh, made $79.8 billion. But he went and he saw a, a therapist every week because he was depressed. And some of you are sitting here today and you're just like, man, if I just had that account, then I know we would be solid. We'd be good. I'm going to be real with you. Money's not going to bring you that happiness. Some of us were sitting in this room today and, and, and we go to the doctors. Oh, no, Craig, don't. We're, gonna, we're hitting home now. Don't. Okay? No, we're going to go there. We have to. What did you expect the doctor to do when you got there? Give you some magic pill and everything was going to go away? cut you open and take out whatever was in you and, and you were supposed to be okay? Do you know how many times doctors get sued because they couldn't diagnose it right? And all, we, all, we're, all they're doing, that's why it's called practicing medicine, okay? They don't have the cure-all be-all. They just don't. But there's motive why we go. My wife wants me to go to the doctor all the time, and I just told her, look, I'm just chubby. That's the way it works. <laughs> you married this. <laughs> Sorry. Amen. Megan, sure you're with me. All right. But the reality is, is every decision we make, there's a motive behind it. And the question you have to ask is why? Why is that your motive? Why did you go to the tomb, Mary? What were you hoping for? The disciples... Jesus resurrects. You would think this would be a happy dance. Jesus walks into a room after his resurrection. He walks into a room, not using the door. For some reason, Jesus has a fear of doors when he resurrects, okay? Every time, no, seriously, every time like you read an account of Jesus like showing up to a place, it says he goes through the wall. He doesn't actually use a door, okay? So he goes through the wall. I don't know how that works because he's physical. And he gets in there, and, and, and you would think that the disciples would have a happy dance, and they would be super excited, like, Lord, you actually did what you said you were going to do. Hallelujah. Praise him. They actually looked at him and said, what is going on? And I just love, like, I, I, I just wish that Jesus would have looked at him. I wish this was the account. And looked at him and said, why did you follow me? What was the purpose of wasting three years of your life? Some of you were married, and you literally left your family, or you pulled your family with me, and you followed me for three years. What were you expecting? 
I told you I was going to die. I told you that I was going to resurrect. And they would yell back, but you said you were going to be a king. And he goes, I am, just not in the reality that you think. See, there is more than just this physical thing. There is a spiritual realm out there. Shoot, it makes billions of dollars a year in the industry. You're like, what are you talking about? Ghosts, aliens, the unseen. <laughs> Let's just be real. It's a, it's a billion dollar industry. But Jesus wasn't the first to tap into the industry. He is the industry. It's a reality of who he is. He moves in signs and wonders. He teaches for one reason and one reason only. That one day you would recognize that he does it for you. His motive is not just to be glorified. His motive is so you can have your life and have it to the fullest. He does it for you so that you understand that you are loved, that you are cared for. He does it so that you can have hope and stop being depressed. He does it so that you know that there is a Lord and a King. And when you die, death will never touch you there is no victory in death that he will snatch you up and you will live with him for an eternity in glory amen, amen. that's why he does it I really hope we can get to this part in our lives where we start looking at our motives Look, if you don't know about Jesus, I can't, I'm not going to sit up here and try to persuade you or manipulate you. All I can tell you is this. He's real. Amen. He's there. I haven't just seen him. I've felt him. I've heard him before. And I'll be honest with you. When I changed my life, when I gave the answer, when he asked me, Craig, why do you go out? What did you come here for? My simple answer, I came to meet you. Because I needed to know if you were real. And he said, what do you think? I'll be honest with you, pastor was not my first thought. <laughs> this was not what I wanted to do with my life. But see, everything changed when you find out that he's real. It has to. So on this day, when the tomb was rolled away and Jesus walks out, and resurrection happened, beating the power of death. He's letting you know that he's real, that he's alive, and he's willing to step into your life to make sure that the motives that you have in your life don't end in death, but end in life. Amen? Amen. And so today, I don't know where you're at with God. I don't know if you think he's just a myth. I don't know what you think, but I do know this. If you start to search after him, you'll find him. If you open your heart towards him, You'll hear him. And today, maybe that's your first step. Today, maybe that's your first step is just saying, okay, God, I'm here. That crazy pastor said, do this. So I'm doing it. Ooh. <laughs> it's okay, you can mock him because that's what I did. And then he kind of backhanded me, but that's okay. It's a whole different story. Um, but if you don't know him, ask him today. And listen, he'll talk to you. And if you, you know, if you have a hard time doing it by yourself, we're going to have prayer people around here. I'll be honest with you. Our prayer people are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but man, they just, they, they put a hand on your shoulder and all of a sudden you feel loved. And they just start praying that God would just do something. And then all of a sudden they start hearing from God. And as they hear from God, 
these are sharing with you. And, and it's weird because almost every single time it's like dead on. You're like, how did you know that? Who on Facebook shared? Like, you know, like, <laughs> it's not. It's just the Lord. He, he knows where to meet you and how to. And so today, I, I hope you get a glimpse of him. Now, some of you are sitting here going, Craig, that was a really good message for those that don't know him. But what about me? I know him. If you do know him, then here's my plea to you. Stop sitting at home. If this is real, if this is absolutely real, then you have to share it. You have to share it. And I'll and bang him on stage. Penn Teller, yeah, the guy that does magic tricks. Penn Teller has the greatest line ever. He says, how much do you have to hate somebody to know that there's everlasting life and not tell somebody? If you know about everlasting life, if you know about Jesus, if you know about the resurrection power, and you know about the, 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 the atonement of his blood, if you know it, then I am asking you to share it. You don't need to invite them to church. Hear what I'm saying. Stop inviting people to church. Did the pastor just say that? Yes, he did. Because you have this power. It's your words. They can care less about me. Shoot, half of you in here, you're like, okay, that guy's weird. But, you know, they want to know about you. Why is your life changed? What resurrection power is in you? They want to know about your life. That's where relationship comes into play. So here's my plea to y'all today. When we go into worship, let it sink in. Let it fill your heart. If you know him, declare these words with us. If you're trying to figure it all out and you want prayer, there's going to be people over to my right, over here. They're going to be there. If you, anytime during worship, just go, just walk over there. And then they'll ask you one question. What are you looking for? And just share. I just need to know. Maybe you don't need prayer for, for that. Maybe you just need prayer because something's going on in your family. Maybe something's going on at work and you're just like, I need the power of the resurrected king to come into my life. Go ask for prayer. Does that all sound good? And then the last, we're going to do like two, three songs. And then we're going to let you go, get your Easter brunch on, and kind of go from there. But let me pray for you as we enter in. So Father, we love you. We praise you. And as we enter into this moment and this time, I just ask, Father God, that you would just reveal yourself, your heart. Because people need to know why they came here today. And they are asking if you're real or not. And God, for those that know, without a shadow of a doubt who you are, God, God, would you inspire them and encourage them to chase after you in a bigger way. Maybe to chase after their neighbors or coworkers, Father God. Let this word be spread that Jesus is alive. That the king of kings sits on the throne. That death could not hold him back. The cross could not stop him. So Father, love on us in these moments.